1232 here on your Saturday afternoon. It's time now for In the Garden, brought to us by the Willie Store, family owned since 1900 in Greensboro. Poly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington, one call does it all. Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. These flowers and garden shop, flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and more in Waitsfield. Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. Claussen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. Sticks and Stuff in Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. P&R Lumber, Route 15, Wilcott, family milled lumber for all projects. See them on Facebook. Guy's Farm and Yard, if it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com and Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel, Dandelions.com, DandelionAcres.com. And now here's the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Corm. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. I can't believe this is uh, the final show of In the Garden for this year. I know. The summer has really gone quick, hasn't it? <laughs> and I apologize. You know, the, last week, mm-hmm. Joel was out. Uh, he was visiting, and you had Greg Hooker, who yep. knows nothing about gardens. Yeah. And uh, this weekend, Joel's under the weather. By the way, mm-hmm. he's, feel, he's feeling much better. He's going to be yeah. uh, joining us on Monday. Uh, but here you are stuck with another guy that the only thing he knows about gardens is when he was a kid, he would raid them. <laughs> so uh, good luck today. <laughs> Well, there's a gardener's heart in everybody. Yes. <laughs> everybody likes I like tomatoes. Everybody I like tomatoes. likes to eat, yes. And tomato is the number one. Yeah. Home, homegrown tomatoes. Uh, true love and homegrown tomatoes, isn't it? Um, uh, there's a, a lot of things to talk about, uh, even though it's the last show. Uh, um, I want to go back to last week a little bit. We got a call from Diana in New Haven, and she had a, a small field. Uh, I can't remember whether it was an acre or four acres, but anyway, that had the poisonous, the poisonous parsnip in it. And um, I had said that I believe the best uh, way to eradicate it is to mow it. And um, after uh, doing as much research as I could find, um, that is the rule of thumb, the easiest way to deal with it. And uh, there is one caveat in that, but I'll get to that in just a second. So the point is um, the poisonous parsnip, like all the rest of its family, the parsnip and the carrot and and uh, all the carrot family, uh, they're, they're basically biennials. And um, in the uh, second year, they they give us that that yellow flower that looks a lot like Queen Anne's lace, and they distribute their seeds then, and then those come up. So the the idea with the mowing um, is, of course, to prevent them from uh, uh, bearing seeds. Uh, and in order to do this, you have to mow once when they're in the rosette stage. It calls a rosette stage where it just looks like a green weed. There's no flower or anything on it. You, you can see pictures of it online, but, um, by the time you have the flowers, they've been there a couple of years. And those are the second years and those are the things that are going to seed. So, um, you mow once in the beginning to to cut all the newest growth, all of the the rosettes as they call them, and then uh, even the rosettes once you mow them, they're going to go ahead and put up a flower head, even though it's not the four foot flower head that we're we're uh, used to seeing. And so you want to do the second mowing to mow those down. And they're persistent little buggers. They will actually regrow and seed again. And that's why three, three mowings. And the recommendation was anywhere from three to five years. And I had, I had told Diana I would do it for three years, three mowings. Uh, her original questions is, you know, when should I mow them? And do I need to mow, mow them more than once? I would say absolutely mow them more than once and uh, mow them three times and keep it up for three to five years. When can people mow this year? I haven't mowed my grass in about a month. <laughs> I mean, it's been so soggy, so good luck, Well, Diane. this is going to be brush hogged. It's not going to be mowed. So, okay. <laughs> well, By the way, we've got uh, Rick from Waterbury Center uh, on the line. Well, let's go you're right ahead and take this call. Hey, Rick, you there? Uh, hey, Peter. How are you doing? Oh, good, thanks. Good. 
What's going uh, on? A couple questions for you. Mm-hmm. Number one, um, I planted some summer squash this year, and come to find out, the compost I was using had some seed from cantaloupe, and mm-hmm. those are the things that grew. <laughs> so I've got about half a dozen cantaloupe out in the garden, mm-hmm. about the size of softballs. Okay. They're still kind of green with a little veining on them. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to put my garden to bed, but I don't know if I can ripen those things in the garden anymore. Um, well, you could thoughts sir. as to how you can ripen uh, partially mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. grown cantaloupe. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's basically you're going to have to experiment because we don't really know how far along they are. Do they they have a nice uh, fragrance when you smell them or anything like that? Have you? Uh, well, they have a really. hollow sound. Yeah, they're still pretty green and hard. Um, it's uh, just for the heck of it. It's well worth going ahead and and uh, har- you know let them grow as long as you can. That'll be for another week or two. Um, till the first frost. Um, make sure you pull them in before that that frost, and then just. Uh, um, I would consider putting them in a in a dark place. You know, wrapping them up in newspaper and put them in a dark place to to let them ripen. Just because a lot of times it's the um, the off gases from the ripening fruit that helps to continue the ripening. Um, so I would, I would go ahead and put them, put them in a, in a box and wrap them with newspaper and keep them in the dark and check them once a week, see what you, see what you get. You know, there's no way to know for sure. Yeah. I just thought I didn't want to throw them away. But, oh, absolutely. Uh, I I'd, you know, yeah. Play around with them and see what happens. Oh, heck, even um, get one to be worth it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it, I haven't noticed it this year, but, um, for a couple of years in a row, when I grew my potatoes and then harvested them, mm-hmm. I would cut into them and there'd be like a hollow spot on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have you ever ran across that? And, mm-hmm. and what would be the cause? Well, um, it's uh, it's something in your soil. Um, that's uh, common when you use fresh manure, but I assume you're probably not using fresh manure. And no. scab. And in, um, in the stalks of... Uh, of um uh, broccoli that's a boron deficiency so uh you remember a few weeks ago i was talking about doing a um you know a full spectrum soil test and i would suggest doing that because there's more than likely just some little whether it's copper or sulfur or you know it's not getting you know it's not getting what he wants but the other issue, and this is probably what the problem is, is that too much water in your soil will will make for a, a you know a, a void inside a potato as well. So you know there's okay. a lot of things that you can try to do, and there's a lot of things that you just simply can't control, and the and the overwatering is is one of them. Right. So I haven't. Checked into the potatoes this year. I've mm-hmm. dug them all and, mm-hmm. you know, starting to clean them up a little bit. But yep. we'll find out with all the rain whether <laughs> there is going to be some other hollow spots. Yeah, and you, you might not. So it's it's well worth doing a soil test just to see if there's something. Uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, I was just – I was very surprised that uh, my own soil after years of using uh, lots of compost, even putting compost beds on the be- – uh, boxes on the beds, um, I was deficient in nitrogen and and uh, sulfur and and wow. by a lot, and so I I had to take remedial action on those and just using a you know high nitrogen fertilizer and then just plain old garden sulfur, and uh, but that worked well. It's easy to take care of. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for your advice, and uh, <laughs> I will give the cantaloupe a try. And yeah, it's worth it. What the heck? Uh, Even if you get one, thing. that's sweet. And <laughs> yeah. Do you know what's interesting? Okay, uh, my wife and I love to to uh, dry cantaloupe. And even if we we can't grow enough, we'll we'll go ahead and get a box at the grocery store, or the co-op, and and uh, and let it ripen, and then go ahead and dry it. And it is it is so good dried; it's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So it's, you probably don't have enough to even think about that. But ah, uh, no, no, we don't. <laughs>
Okay. Well, thanks for your time and uh, consideration. Thank you very much. Okay, Rick. We will talk to you next year. Okay. Take care. Yeah, take care. Um, So uh, let me just go back to the poison. Uh, Even with your mowing, right, more than likely – you will not be able to mow the entire uh, field because along the edges, there's still going to be some plants coming up. So you'll want to watch for them and actually get out there and dig up root and all because it should have a root about the size of a carrot um, or, well, of a parsnip, actually, because it is the same plant that you plant in your garden for parsnips. Um so you'll have to go around the edges of the field and look for those, and and um, that's that's a, a little bit on the um, the dangerous side. In that you know you want to make sure you're doing it either on a cloudy day or in the evening, um, uh, and uh, you want to make sure you're dressed head to toe and that you take a good hot shower afterwards with Boston soap, but also make sure that you. Um, you know, wash the clothes that you're wearing at the time because this, this sap will persist for a little while in the clothes. Now, there's an interesting article, um, uh, online about a, a fellow up in, uh, uh, Moncton who got the whole, um, uh, the Moncton residents to, to help him out. And he, because they had so much of it, particularly on, on public lands that were considered, you know, uh, uh, a place to walk your dog and, and some of the fields for the kids. And so they all took, uh, took up their little shovels and went out in the, the evening and, uh, closed and they went out and, and dug up, uh, you know, uh, quite a few. And this person, uh, Jamie, uh, Schult and, uh, uh, he, um, he sort of, he had noticed them and learned how to, to uh, eradicate them by cutting, uh, you know, digging them up, and got this whole community behind it. So, if if you find that there is an infestation that that warns that kind of work, it's it's well worth it. Particularly if you if you have lands that the public goes around, you don't want people getting uh, really severe blisters. And that sap will actually. Um, um, it's photoactive, so it needs the sun, and that's why they were going out in the evenings uh, to to do this job. <laughs> it's just amazing uh, the collective, uh, you know, efforts of of uh, of a community like that. You just have to tip your hat and say, yeah, "That way to go." So that's it for poison parsnip. Unless somebody else has uh, any more questions on that one, and uh, of course. Um, I'll start with what to plant. Um, this is uh, this is one of my own favorite uh, specialties. Is uh, years ago I I spilled some uh, spinach seeds in the ground, and instead of trying to pick them all up, I just sort of you know worked them in, and lo and behold, uh, they came up in the spring. And I thought, well, geez, you know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, now I'll plant, uh, either, either nine per square foot, uh, which is, you know, one every four inches or, or, uh, 16 per square foot, which is every, uh, three inches. You plant them in a, in a grid like that. And I'll plant a whole bed. I'll plant any bed that's open, you know, which means, uh, other than the things that are perennials, and my garlic, it leaves quite a bit of open space there. And so, sure enough, uh, first thing in the spring, uh, even up through the snow, um, those little spinach plants will grow. And that spinach in the spring is absolutely the, 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 the meatiest, uh, beautiful leaves and they're sweet and, um, and of course at that time of year they're, they're very appreciated and they're very slow to bolt. So it's, uh, it's wonderful to get that, uh, uh, and, and so I would probably wait till October, uh, you know, maybe even October 15th. But if the soil is, uh, open, uh, plant, you know, plant those spinach. And I've have found that this also works for lettuce and for radishes and of course garlic, right? And uh, I've experimented a little bit with uh, with uh, onions, but that doesn't seem to work as well as the the other ones there. 
Um, there are also, of course, some plants that, that will grow and mature yet, like a claytonia or um, uh, miner's lettuce, arugula, those kinds of things, even radishes you can plant now. And uh, for the last few years, I've been experimentally planting my potatoes in the fall. And um, when you think of it, the rationale is actually um, – uh, makes a lot of sense because that's when nature plants her seeds is in the fall. So, Corm, do we have a, f- uh, a phone call? Yeah, we got a couple people. Why don't we get to Pam in uh, Duxbury first? Hey, Pam, welcome. Yeah, hi, Peter. Uh, first of all, I wanted to thank you for your tip on um, some of the container gardens that you recommended sure, this yeah. summer. Oh, good. I don't have a lot of sun on my property anymore, but I do have one place where I could put my precious tomato plants out and a few <laughs> other things, and I did. And they are just amazing production, I must say. True love and but homegrown tomatoes, right? <laughs> you got it. We're having BLTs for lunch. Today, oh, wonderful. So. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear it. I'm wondering about putting them away for the winter. Um, do I empty them out, mm-hmm, or can mm-hmm. I put them like under our deck and cover them, or what would you recommend? Um, uh, either one is good, whatever works best for you. If you have the space to put them, the soil is fine. It, 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 you know, there's nothing wrong with that potting soil in there. It, of course, will freeze up. Um, uh, but that's just fine. You want to empty the, if you have the con- water container underneath it, yep. you want to make sure you empty that so it doesn't freeze and, and, so the uh, freezing soil won't. Freezing soil will be fine. Pop the containers out. Great. That, yep. That's very convenient because yep. I can haul them right under our deck and put um, some boards over them or something. You got it. That's perfect. Okay. Yeah, Wonderful. it's kind of neat. A great recommendation. Oh, good. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I've enjoyed mine too. And, and I did that uh, tower one that, uh, uh, that I mentioned uh, uh, quite a while ago. It's just a, it's a, 30 cells and it's a big round tower about five feet tall and uh i really enjoyed that one too that was a that was a great container oh good well i did the garden patch yeah the garden patch is my favorite all all all-time favorite and i've i've got quite a few of them oh good well thanks again have a great uh canning and Season. <laughs> you too. Thanks, well, uh, you know, it's going to be BLTs for you, right? There you go. <laughs> Pam, thanks so much for the call, and we'll see you next year. <laughs> and you got Jack and Orange? We do. Hey, Jack. Hey, how you doing? Oh, great. How Good. about yourself? Good. Doing as best I can in this weather. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, I was curious about the cantaloupes. You said that you dried them? Yeah, yeah. Um, Tell me, I'm going to hang off the phone. Tell me how you dry them. Yeah. And when you dry them, is there any other kind of fruits, like fruits, I call them a fruit, you know, yeah. that you dry like Oh, that? absolutely. Um, I have something they call an Excalibur uh, dryer. It's a, it's about $250 for the model I got, which has a, a thermostat so I can control it. And it also has a timer so that it'll turn off. And I found those two things really, um, really well worth it, well worth it. And also I had, uh, nine trays in it and they come with a, like a plastic screen, which is really easy to, to wash. And then you can get a, a, um, a silicon sheet that if you want to do like leathers on it or something that's really juicy, you can use those. And, um, I would, I highly recommend that one. I've had good luck with it. Joel swears by his 25 year old, uh, <laughs> round one he got at Walmart, or I don't even know if he got it at Walmart, but anyway, uh, any kind of dryer will work. So with the cantaloupe specifically, um, you know, you let them ripen so that you know that they, they have that nice fre- cantaloupe fragrance coming out of them. You know, test them, cut them open. We buy a whole box of them at the at the co-op. They'll order them for us, and then uh, we just peel off the skins, the the whole skin all the way around, and then I'll cut them into quarter-inch uh, slices. And you know, you want them to be sort of uh, oh, maybe an inch by two inches, something that you consider kind of a bite size. So when you when you put those on the screen, you just dry them, and they'll basically dry overnight. And the nice uh, uh, the thing about them is they're just they're so delicious. They're like an exotic fruit. Uh, they have all that sweetness of the cantaloupe, but 
um, seem to even improve the cantaloupe flavor. And my wife's favorite is the cantaloupe and cashews. She'll, she'll eat those <laughs> for breakfast and it's, uh, well, or for any time really, but. I need uh, to come to your house for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, and, and, uh, the, uh, watermelon and honeydew both will, um, uh, work as well. You know, you, there's no problem with that. Uh, of course, mangoes, uh, if you want to do that, or papayas, all of those were, are dry really nicely and, and make a, a, a wonderful addition for, for your fruits during the winter. We're going to take a quick break, Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to thank Jack for calling and, and remind people that we have a toll-free number. He didn't want to stay on the line because it was long distance. Oh, yeah. So our toll-free number is 1-877-291-8255. Mm-hmm. Locally, it's the same number. It's been forever. 802-244-7321. I know we got Peter from New whoa, Haven whoa, on wait, the Wait, 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 wait. 244 244-1777. 244-7321. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the front office. <laughs> Tells you how often I'm in the studio. One seven seven seven. Thank you. Can you come back next week? <laughs> yeah. Two four four seven one seven seven seven. Wow. On that note, we'll take a break. <laughs> Meet all of your gardening needs and desires at Dandelion Acres in Bethel. Make a statement with trees and shrubs. Grow your own vegetables and fruits with a selection of veggie starts, fruit trees, and berry bushes. And add color with annual and perennial flowers, including lush flowering hanging baskets. Don't forget the accents, unique statuary, pottery, and garden furniture. Plus, soils, fertilizers, and mulches. Everything you need and lots of things you want in one place. Dandelion Acres in Bethel, online at dandelionacres.com. You're listening to In the Garden on WDEV. Back to our host, Peter Burke. <laughs> okay. Well, so continuing on as uh, as we were talking about the experimenting with planting potatoes and Mother Nature, um, it uh, um, actually we have a call. Oh, okay. Well, let's just go ahead and pick right up then. Okay. Uh, we, we've got uh, Peter, Peter from New Haven. In New Haven. All right. Good. How are you, Peter? Hey, how are you? Good. Pete and repeat, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a question about wildflower matter. I heard a story on Vermont Public about a couple that had a lawn that they were mowing, yeah. like a, I don't know, half an acre or something, and they wanted to turn it into wildflower meadow, and they, they tilled it. You know, they had a rototiller come in and do yeah. that. Do you have to do till it no. like that, or can uh, no. you just? Nope, you can just plant them. Um, and I was just, that was what I was pointing out is that Mother Nature plants her seeds in the fall. And you will, uh, you know, she compensates by, uh, one plant like, a, a lamb's quarters, for instance, uh, will produce up to, um, you know, uh, thousands of, of, uh, seeds on one plant. You, you know, and it's just like, a um, amaranth or any of those, uh, um, you know, plants. There are literally thousands and thousands of seeds that are, uh, up into like the 20,000s, and they are spread in the fall, and that's when they're planted. And there's absolutely no reason you can't plant your um, your wildflowers uh, anytime, really anytime between uh, uh, while there isn't snow on the ground. You could do it now if you wanted to. Uh, probably if it's a new planting, I'd go ahead and wait till the snow is gone. And and uh, if if you you do happen to mow, it doesn't hurt anything. You know, that's just fine. Um, it's interesting because, uh, in, um, uh, when you're planting, uh, certain grain crops, uh, sometimes that there's a, they plant a clover or something like that. And it's called a nurse crop. And what that does is it, 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 uh, actually, uh, shades and protects the seeds and the small seedlings, uh, until they get large enough to really take off. So, you know, whether you mow or not doesn't really make any difference. Um, you, of course, you're going to see right off if that's really what you want to do. You can go ahead and just, uh, uh, I don't know, you get a bag or a can of the seeds and sprinkle them out and see what they see, how they do. If they're not producing the way you want to or or they get overgrown by what's there in your field, just go ahead and mow, set the other plants back, 
and see it again and see if you can't, you know, give them some encouragement there. But there's, a, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of really beautiful wildflowers, uh, you know, that you can grow and they grow happily and will replant uh, themselves every year. And so you okay, don't, that's great you information. You won't need to tell. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, the the fact that sometimes tilling will be a negative for for wildflowers because uh, that's really not not so much what they want. They they want that the litter that's underneath uh, the regular plants. They want that kind of whatever you want to call it. It's a straw, wildflower straw, underneath there, and that helps them helps them grow. Okay. Good luck. Okay, um, we have uh, Forbes on the line. Oh, super. Hey, Forbes, you there? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> um, a quick question, and I don't know if you've got the answer. Nobody else does. Uh, experiencing a, a lot of wildlife uh, damage to all kinds of crops, um, it seems to be getting uh, greater. Do you know or does anyone know that uh, what the best way to try to deal with some of it? Oh boy. Um uh age old, it's been one of the biggest problems yeah, I've had. Yeah. Age old question, you know. Uh, the it's uh, certainly the deer um and bear and whatever, you know, raccoon damage, all those things are are uh can be rife in this this year uh I think that the apple crop was affected by that late spring frost, so they may not be getting the apples that they're used to. So that would mean that they're 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 searching further out um, into more domesticated uh, stands, um, but that's just a guess. I don't actually know. You would think with all the rain we've had, the the fields would be absolutely lush and they wouldn't be looking around. But um, you know, it, it's uh, it's a funny thing. Even with like um, chipmunks, and I've had my share of chipmunks in in the garden. In some years they are absolutely crazy, and some years I don't even see one or two. Um, and the my point being is that it'll it'll vary from year to year whether the deer. Uh, maybe it's getting more and more. I don't know. But I can tell you this, I, I, down in New York where my son's house is, the, the deer there are um, uh, so plentiful, <laughs> you can't actually grow a hosta down there because they just absolutely love them. Um, I had a lot fewer uh, problems with deer in my garden when I had a dog who liked to go out in the evening and run around and bark, and she would you know, bark at stuff that I didn't even hear, but it did keep the the deer away uh, mm. enough that uh, uh, then, of course, you know, fencing, deer fencing is like six, seven feet tall, and that's a, a good um, a barrier. What is it you're trying to, um, is it your your big stand, uh, you know? Well, I, I'm, I'm looking at either ultrasound or some um, some electronic uh, uh-huh. device that would, uh, that would uh, actually deter them from uh, coming into the area yeah. that yeah. you want to protect. Yeah, and then you wouldn't have to do like an electric fence. Is that what your, your thought is? Right. The New Zealand uh, fencing mm-hmm. works about the best. Mm-hmm. That's kind of an interesting concept. It's not a great big uh, eight-foot-high fence. They, they do it at an angle, and all animals have a depth perception problem. Mm-hmm. So that keeps them away, but there's got to be something developed. I'd say ultrasound or some some yeah. some uh, uh, sounding mechanism that would uh, keep them away. Yeah. With the absence of hunting, mm-hmm. uh, hunting is diminished. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not getting a, a real good control factor, so it's just going to increase to a yeah. major problem. Yeah, I, I would. I if. If what I've seen around different cities, we were up on our way to Canada. We were uh, in Canada on our way to PEI, and we stopped at the St. Andrew, and it was the same thing as uh, as uh, Mike's place. Uh, there were deer just sort of wandering down the road in, in every and any particular patch of greens, uh, and they were sort of domesticated. They, were, they had no fear whatsoever, so... 
woodchuck, uh, woodchuck are also, they take care of all your garden stuff real quick. One <laughs> night they can wipe you right out. Yeah, yeah, I'd, so, I've yeah, always said research. That. Uh, there's got to be some sound system. That would cover every one of them without mm. poison mm. or shooting them. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll look into it, too, and we'll talk again in April. How about that, Fine. Forbes? Is that Good. a deal? <laughs> All right. Well, this is your last show, is it? Yeah, it's the last show for this year. Well, thank you. Uh, you brought a lot of good knowledge to people. It's <laughs> a, a great, great, uh, great deed on your part. Well, okay. Well, thanks, thank Forbes. you again. Yeah, take we'll care now. see you next round. Adios. <laughs> we'll see you later. Okay. Yes, dear, the perennial problem, all of the pests. Uh, I I do a, a, a monologue on the garden fortress. Of course, you know, uh, little boys going in and rubbing tomatoes out of the garden. I, I didn't include that pest. <laughs> that would have been me like 60 years ago, Peter. <laughs> and we we would camp out, yeah, a yeah. bunch of us, and uh-huh. we'd always bring salad dressing, uh-huh. and we'd scout the gardens days in advance. And uh yeah, now that I think about it, what an idiot! <laughs> well, <laughs> but man, we had some great salads at like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes, yes, it's the the freaks of youth, as Socrates calls it, the freaks of youth. You just can't help it. <laughs> Hopefully, you survive it. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Well, anyway, um, so, uh, the, and there's, you know, fencing, of course, is the age old standard for, for keeping pests out. Uh, and, and, uh, the shotgun, of course, is the second age old standard. And, uh, and then a dog. A dog can do a good job. The dog we have right now would, would basically, um, open the door and say, hey, come on in and let's see what's to eat. And, you know, she wouldn't do anything. Um, you've got a couple more calls, I see. I got one. Yes, we got Catherine from Moortown. Oh, okay, Catherine. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey. Hello. Peter, when you were talking about potatoes. Yeah. I was always told that potatoes you plant in green sod, not very fertile soil. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I was sort of getting at with you, you don't want to use a, a high nitrogen, you know, uh, a high nitrogen uh, soil or additive to your, you know, compost is okay, but, you know, you want to, they want something a little bit more, uh, less generous in the nitrogen and uh, so that's what they recommend is don't put manure on them. Did you did you grow did you grow potatoes this year or were you what were you did you try to grow any potatoes this year I used to yeah I used to I'm too old now <laughs> <laughs> but I still love gardening gardening's in your heart oh it is isn't it? it yeah 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 okay. that's uh, I plan to start start my indoor garden here in the the next few weeks so that I'll have at least fresh salads all winter so. Alrighty, um, let's see what's next is. Why don't we take a break, Peter? How's that? We'll get the last Perfect. break out of okay. the way, and then uh, yeah. it'll be all yours for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> all right, great. All right, it's eight minutes after one. You're listening to In the Garden on WDEV. Eight minutes after one now. It's uh, In the Garden on WDEV. you got about 20 minutes left if you got a question uh, for Peter, because this is the last show of the year, and this is the end of Peter's fifth year doing in the garden on WDEV. So 244-1777-877-291-8255. Now back to the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. I always say this is the fastest hour, my fastest hour of of, uh, of the day. Just, uh, you know, um, yeah, talking garden, which I love to do. And um, uh, let's see, before I get started, do we have a call? Yes, we do. We have Glenn from Brookfield. Okay, Glenn from Brookfield. All right. Hey, Peter. Wonderful show. You know what's crazy? This one day I was going to buy Joel a coffee, and he's not there. (laughs) (laughs) I hope he gets better soon. Yeah, me too. But great show. Very informative. I enjoy it a lot. 
Just want to throw that out. Well, and, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Nola needs to end it with a harvest point. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you put your order in, we'll see what we get. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one there, Peter. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. I appreciate it. Appreciate the call. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it's very gratifying to have people enjoy the show as much as I do. So, And um, five years, wow. Where'd that go? Uh, yeah, I, I just I remember talking to Ed and uh, Joel for, uh, you know, asking questions and talking garden. It was always a lot of fun. So um, one of the things, uh, uh, we talked about what to plant now. And, of course, you know, you're, you're basically harvesting almost everything. Um, your kale you can leave in, and that'll, that'll keep growing. Uh, my Brussels sprouts, I leave them until November and, uh, um, and of course now you're harvesting your apples and your pears and plums and all those things. Uh, it's time to prune your, uh, blueberry bushes, uh, and also your other berries. Uh, it's time to take out the old canes of the, of your, um, uh, bramble fruits, you know, the blackberries, uh, raspberries and, uh, any other kind of berries you have like that. You go ahead and get in there, prune. The more pruning you do, the better. And just to point out, the pruning is important not only just for the growth of next year. It's important to have, um, to keep your garden clean of, of any kind of, uh, uh, old sticks because that's where a lot of disease and bugs live. So, and, uh, you have a call, huh? Excuse me here. We'll go for... Uh, we actually have a special guest that's going to join us right oh, now. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Sign in sign in, mystery guest. <laughs> okay, mystery guest. <laughs> I'm having a lot of trouble with my petunias and my pansies. Can you help me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, never mind. <laughs> Joe, good to hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry I'm not uh, there for the... For the final episode, but hopefully there will be uh, many more episodes ahead in the years to come. So, yeah, as I'm a bit on the mend right now, but yeah. uh, things are yeah. totally on the upswing. So I figured I'd, I'd just <laughs> check in to, uh, you know, uh, look back at uh, what I think was a most eventful season with, uh, my goodness, the May frost and then all yep. the water and then yep. not the water. And, mm-hmm. and yet people are calling and talking about the harvest. Yep. Yeah, it still manages. That's the the thing uh, that uh, uh, Richard uh, uh, Wiswall at Kate Farm always said. Just remember, those plants want to grow, you know. So they have that desire and the the impetus, and all you need to do is sort of stand back and uh, and give them what they need. But yeah. uh, um, you know, you're of course uh, your big shoes to fill. But Corm's been doing fine. <laughs> well, he's keeping the the show sane, which I never do. So I, I, I think I might, I might be looking for a job that hour. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think Corm likes to golf on Saturdays. So. I like to laugh. I like to laugh when I listen to the radio. So. <laughs> But I do tell you, you know, you talked about your $250 uh, desiccator, yes. your drying yes. machine with the yep. timers and mm-hmm. all the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. Mine, uh, you know, I didn't get it at Walmart, but they got some great deals, uh, you know, at all the different stores. But yeah. I, mine was the original Ron Popeil, you know, yeah. yep. set it and forget it, you yeah. know. Yeah. But it's uh, 35 years later, <laughs> and I agree with you, dried muskmelon, nothing yeah. to do with Elon Musk, but uh, <laughs> muskmelon and honeydews yeah. uh, are just totally out of this world, yep. as well as all those cherry tomatoes. Just cut the cherry tomatoes in half and yep. dry them, and you've got candy for the uh, you know yep. for the foreseeable future. And uh, I'm sure those less expensive machines, and I don't know how less what less expensive means, but I think mine was twenty nine ninety five. So <laughs> good, good so that luck was a year, with that. Years ago, yeah, <laughs> you might get a used one though. Yeah. <laughs> But they they work they they work fine and it's uh, you know it's a wonderful way to uh, to uh, you know deal with uh, some of the sweet things in your garden. Yeah, well um, I've always enjoyed. I take a quart jar and I'll uh, uh, because I like making my own broths and mm-hmm. um, I take my broth recipe with the carrots and the, the onions and the herbs and the garlic and I'll dry up a portion of each and then. 
put a little bit of each in that jar. So there's a layer mm-hmm. of carrots and there's a layer of greens, a layer of tomatoes, a layer of the onions, some of the garlic, and, and then I'll put a basil. And and uh, so all I have to do is put that in a gallon of water and let it boil, and it makes it. Ooh. But the, the beauty, uh, you know, just seeing that jar with all those layers is, is so nice that uh, it's hard for me to keep them in the – in the pantry because uh, Deb always wants to give them away because they're so nice. <laughs> She'll put a bow on them and say, here. <laughs> but Well, as I look back at the end of each gardening season, I, I think back, I never as a very young, you know, person, you know, when I was eight, nine years old watching mm-hmm. my grandmother do all the preserves and everything, really appreciate how much incredible work it was. Mm-hmm. But I certainly was the beneficiary, yep. uh, you know, you know, years, you know, long after the snow had flied and everything, and we were enjoying such wonderful fruits of the garden, uh, thanks to the, uh, you know, the hard work of preserving and everything. And that's what oh, yeah. a lot of folks are going to be doing, uh, you know, right now. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you, the part of my yard that's not mowed, you're talking about uh, corn needing to mow the lawn, Mm-hmm. Mine definitely needs to be brush hogged, but there are places where I just kind of let things overgrow a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've got the most incredible array of, uh, of blue flowers and yellow flowers. Yep. Some of them I haven't fully identified yet. But uh, Mother Nature, if uh, you're, if you, you know, even if you don't have a green thumb, if you just kind of turn your back, Mother Nature will come up with something beautiful. So uh, I do have to get rid of all the brambles and everything. But before mm-hmm. that happens, I've I've got a, a little mini wildflower farm in the corner of my yard. <laughs> There's a, a, a family up in in Calais that have a a flower maze. Instead of a corn maze, this is a flower mm-hmm. maze, and of course they use a lot of the sunflowers, and it is amazing. Yes, um, yeah. just all the wildflowers and and cultivated flowers and stuff. You, you might want to end the garden uh, the sea season just by making a quick mention of mapping things out where things were mm-hmm. and where things will be mm-hmm. because I have the attention span of a of a gnat you know g n a t when it comes to next year okay i'm going to put things in different places i can't remember where things were you know so I know you're quite meticulous that way, but yeah. um, uh, you can't really be in between you, you have to either make the map and and know what was there and what sh- will be there next next year or uh, you're really starting from scratch yeah well um having the beds makes that a hundred percent easier because Mm -hmm. you can say well you know bed one through 25 which i have 25 beds now um i just start and mark it down what i planted in each one and it doesn't need to be real detailed or anything but you know when you're when you're trying to rotate your crops with your you know the cabbage is really important uh, your tomatoes it's important to rotate those crops it prevents a lot of disease problems um and and the bed the map that i do uh, and i i have a notebook that goes uh, oh, back quite a few years that i just keep going with and I need a new bo- notebook now but anyway um it's a it's a huge uh, benefit uh, to, to be able to look back and uh, and and see what what you planted where, it really helps with the rotation. Yeah, I was I was listening to a, a national program mm-hmm. that uh, mentioned uh, you know heirloom tomatoes. Yeah, and uh, the the guy was was tasting some of the ones, and he said, "Oh, these are real good. Where did these came from? Mm-hmm. Where did these come from?" And mm-hmm. he said, "Well, they originally came from Europe." But they were fostered in this country by Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> so when you think of some of the history yeah. of the of the crops that we have, yeah. apparently there it was a persimmon. Now now I'm actually my brain is waking up. Yeah. Uh, it was a persimmon yellow heirloom tomato that Ooh. you can directly trace back to mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson and somebody who just ate one cold and said, "Oh, this is real good." You mm-hmm. know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like that uh, orange one uh, that we were talking about last year, the marmalade one that uh, mm, I hadn't mm-hmm. seen. was a new one from uh, um, f- uh, from high mowing, actually, and yeah. it's, uh, it's absolutely delicious. Really all all kinds of interesting. I think it was about, uh, I think it was before you were doing the program, mm-hmm. but uh, well, I went out um, when I was at the Big E, 
and one and, and it was one of the years of the blight. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this was one fellow who had about thirty different uh, uh, tomatoes, all of which were wiped out by the blight, except one, mm. which was definitely blight resistant. And it was traced to a, a woman who, at the time, was was still with us, well in her nineties, and she had snuck the seeds back from a visit to Germany. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and I don't know what the what what the future held for it, but those seeds were at the Cornell. <laughs> Uh, research center mm-hmm. where they were doing all kinds of gene splicing and everything to try to get that blight resistant aspect into it into a, uh, a more tasty and more you know uh, you know and, and, a, and a more accessible kind of tomato. Don't know what really happened about it, but th- with it, but that, hap- that that's how it works behind the scenes. This one fellow had like thirty different varieties, yeah. all of whom got blighted except yeah. one yeah. that was clearly blight resistant, but it wasn't one of the taste tomatoes, but it was a tomato that resisted mm. the blight. So that's what our scientists are at work. Yep. If they can just come up with a tomato that tastes good to us and doesn't taste good to all the woodchucks <laughs> out there, then we'll have reached scientific we, nirvana. Well, we have sort of grown up together, so I, I doubt that we'll find something that's that. Yeah. <laughs> We'll just have to well, learn to live with them. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have the final moments to yourselves and to our other listeners. And uh, what a great season and such yeah. a pleasure working with you, Peter. Thanks, really. Joel. And and same for me. Is we have a lot of fun, and uh, uh, I'm glad you're feeling better. Glad to yep, hear that. Yeah, sure, sure. Thanks. And uh, be well. We'll talk soon. All right, Bye-bye. buddy. Yep. Uh, did I see the light come on for another call? No, no, no more calls. Okay. All righty. Well, um, in the garden, huh? What do we got for time left? It was about five minutes. I was going to say, uh, I don't know if Joel's still listening, but Ken's wondering if he's going to clock in for those 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, in his 10 minutes, he did a better job hosting the show than I did with you. So, uh, it's nice to hear Joel and, uh, uh, that he's feeling much better. Yeah. That's, that's the important part. We got about five minutes, Peter. Yeah. Um, the, um, just kind of wrapping up what I was talking about was how important it is to go ahead and get your garden cleaned up. Um, the, the more or the fewer, you know, weeds that you have around the garden, look out around maybe six feet or so and see, um, you know, what's plant, what's growing out there and seeing if it's, it, there might be something that's the seeds are going to drift in because they will, they will drift in. Oh, okay. You got another call. Yes. We have Nora on the line. Oh, hey, Nora. No, no, no. Not Noah and not Nora, uh-huh. but Nola, okay? Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. Nola is right. It is. And as my good <laughs> friend of mine's musical father said, Do, Remy, Faso, Do, Nola. So, it w- it's silly. But yeah, that's yeah. like me. Forgive me. Um, I was calling to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Your show is truly like a giant support group. It's amazing. <laughs> and to add on to what Mr. Nashman just mentioned about all the things not planned but still growing, like the wildflowers. Mm-hmm. So we walked in the woods this morning, came out to the back garden, and I thought, oh, look at all those wild asters. We can pick a few of those. Mm-hmm. So pluck, 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 brought them to the house. <laughs> I was putting them in a little jug of water. I felt something squishy. And I thought, no, it's not a slug. It wasn't a slug. It was a monarch butterfly chrysalis. Another gift from the garden. I guess. We never say thank you enough. There's so many gifts out there. And just to see it, and quickly I took the whole thing back to the garden. And (laughs) thought, I hope I didn't bother you too much. But truly. So... In true to my spirit, can I give you the last 15 lines of Robert Frost's oh, poem, sure. Pot of the Milkweed? Yep. Okay. The the poem is about the monarch butterfly and its, let's say, its passion for and its struggle with making the milkweed part of its life. Mm. So we're going to start at the very end, and we're talking with the butterfly right now. Here we go. Go ahead. But waste was of the essence of the scene. 
and all the good they did for man or God to all those flowers they so passionately trod was leave as their posterity one pod with an inheritance of restless dream. Now we're talking about the butterfly, chrysalis. He hangs on upside down with talon feet in an inquisitive position, odd as any Guatemalan parakeet. Something eludes him. Is it food to eat or some dim secret of the good of waste? He almost has it in his talon clutch. Where have all those flowers and butterflies gone that science may have staked the future on? He seems to say the reason why so much should come to nothing must be fairly faced. <laughs> maybe it's silly, but I love that poem. Yeah. And so anyway. Yep, we're, we're lucky to have all that milkweed to feed those. Uh, and the asters, too, apparently. And the asters, too. I never yeah. would have thought yeah. there'd be a chrysalis yeah. in an aster. I, I, Just all those plants. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, Mother Nature's garden, huh? <laughs> they all are. We just intrude with Mother Nature sometimes. <laughs> so I say thank you, thank you, thank you. Be well. Mm-hmm. And um, You're very welcome. somehow I'll figure out how to pester you over the winter. I'm sure you will. Phones. Take okay. notes. Write it down. Thank you. <laughs> Take care, Bye-bye. Nolan. Thanks for everything. And we, um, um, okay, we're done with the phone. We're done with the phone. Oh, okay, great. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, well, uh, thanks to everyone who's uh, listened and called in. And remember to thank your sponsors for uh, when you go in. And uh, we will, uh, uh, we can see you next year, I guess. Congratulations least, on five years. Five years. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's sure, uh, sure gone quick. That's for sure. I like the handshake at the beginning of the show. Peter said, yeah. are we going to do this again next year? Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, of course we are. Maybe we'll do more. Maybe we'll do 25. So, but Peter will be back next year. All right. Good. Well, I will see you in the garden next year. All right. Thank you, Peter. Yep. By inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. And in the garden is sponsored by the Willie Store, family owned since 1900 in Greensboro. Poly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington. One call does it all. Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. V's Flowers and Garden Shop, flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and more in Waitsfield. Menard family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. Claussen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top-quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. Sticks and Stuff, Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. P&R Lumber, Route 15 Wolcott, family-milled lumber for all projects. See them on Facebook. Guy's Farm and Yard, if it eats and grows, guys can feed it, guysfarmandyard.com. And Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel, dandelionacres.com. The sponsors of this year's In the Garden.